You're listening to another episode of Shop Talk Show, a podcast all about websites. I'm Dave Rupert with me is Chris Coyer. Hey, Chris, not in the booth. Nah, I just felt like sitting down. I can kind of sit in the booth, but I just, oh, yesterday my back tightened up a little bit. So I thought, Ooh. you know what, I'm going to sit down a little bit. Some like uh, post, post-vacation post uh, woes there. You yeah, I've had, been doing really good, though. I've been like yoga, yoga-ing I a lot. I saw your blog post yeah. on yoga. I thought that was pretty good. So. Not like heavily, but a little bit. But I'm back at CrossFit too, so I'm feeling good about that. So I'm actually in a pretty good spot, you know, exercise wise. But it still doesn't mean the back's perfect, you know. I I am not. Uh, but I you know. Do you, do you ever? So we have conferences coming up, right? We have a we're, we're, we'll both be at an event apart, in Denver. All things, you know, fingers crossed. Yeah, October. Goes well there. So Octobery. So uh, back in person in conferences and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. it's just. Yeah, not like I'm like, oh, I need a beach bod for a conference, you know, but sometimes I'm just like, do I need to like be in better shape for a conference? You know what I mean? Like, that's uh, the nerd's beach bod is I'm going to be up on stage presenting. Yeah, I I need to get my presenter bod. Yeah, yeah. Gonna be up there with a bunch of skinny people. (laughs) Better better do some crunches. That's what I think about. Yeah. So you know what I was happening this morning? This uh, I was Miranda drove me down to work. There's a normally I bike down. You know, we have a whole thing. Been really into that, but just a special day where there's some extra crap we have to do or whatever. So she she drives me down and she goes, "Oh my god, I left my phone on the back of the truck." Before we drove out the driveway, you know, and I uh, don't have my phone now and it's not on the back of the truck now. So it's somewhere between our house and here, probably on the road. But I remember oh, that just the no. other day I, 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 I was wondering where she was because she was on her way to pick me up. And I was just poking around at my phone and I opened up that find my app is I iPhone thing. I'm sure Android has a similar thing because how can they not? But I was like, where is she? You know, and I and and we had our we had long ago shared locations with each other because, you know, for like airport pickup reasons or something. Right. Right. And I was like, oh, shoot, she's right in here. And it showed me right where her phone was. You know, I was about halfway in between work and here is where it and, fell off the truck or whatever. Yeah, totally. Or, but I also <sighs> called it and the some lady answered. She's like, I found this on the road. <laughs> Whoa. I was like, Stay right there. We'll come and get it. Nice. Yeah, pretty useful feature. Uh, so I just used that, that find my all the time. And it was kind of top of mind because I couldn't find my keys this morning and also opened find my to just do the little, because I put air tags and everything. Tag, yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I, I do this twice a week. I go through my house and it, you know, it points to me where my keys are and they're inevitably like on my dresser right where they normally are or something. But I'm yeah, such, of course. A, such a dummy. I don't even see them. What uh, are you... I, so I had, I used the find my, we went on vacation, went to San Diego, sunny San Diego, hmm. gloomy San Diego was actually kind Whoa. of, but um, that's unfortunate. Uh, well, it's just the way San Diego is, it blows off in the afternoon. So oh, I see, but I left my AirPods, Chris, and then just I got left home them. and I'm like, you know, I use my AirPods like daily, like just watching YouTubes at night in bed or something. Bad habit, obviously, but whatever, it's what I'm doing. Uh, and then, like, I'm listening, or I'll listen to, like, the news, which is horrifying, but then and I don't want my kids to hear the horrifying news, so I got an mm-hmm. AirPod in. The, so, but I'm sitting there, and I'm like, wait, I haven't seen my AirPods in a couple of days. 
this is really abnormal. And I like check everything and then I check find mine. And they're just in the hotel room and just like they must have fell on the floor or something or got, you know. But you're in Austin and they're in San Diego. Yeah, they're in San Diego. Mm -hmm. Is that lost forever? Do you call the hotel and be like, hey? I guess I could, but like, okay, keep walking. You're almost there. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, some guest Um, is going to find it. It's going to be right next to the Bible in the drawer or whatever. Yeah, they're going to have a good day when they find it. But whatever. Hey, what can you do? You know, you can't win them all. So. Uh, so I'll probably replace them, but, um, are you going to, uh, I have a friend who, who low jacked his kids where <laughs> you sneak one in their backpack or something. You, you're going to do that. You're going to, oh, I put them all over the place. Not with the kid yet. Cause I, I, I don't know why I wouldn't, I guess that's kind of a decent idea, but I, I just, I'm not worried about that yet. Cause she's so, she's at four years old. It's like, she's, she's at school dude. roaming. Yeah. Yeah. She's not, <laughs> she's not kinda... And then we had this problem. Not that this is the. I didn't make this the AirTag show, but uh, I like—I really like it in my wallet. I bought a special wallet just for that. But I bought like the four pack, so I'm like, you know, walking around, being like, "What else could I put this in?" You know, I just <laughs> tossed one in the console of the truck because I was like, I don't know, airport, get out, you know, hey, where do where's I park? my car? Where do I park? Dude. Yeah, or <laughs> and or if it gets ripped off any of these things i think that's kind of yeah. cool to be able to track it down if, if you know it's not yet i don't think maybe like super common knowledge that that is possible i don't know i don't know so one there one in the luggage and stuff but 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 we uh we sold we had a chevy tahoe too and we sold it because we're getting a tesla x pretty Ooh. exciting so we sold the other car well ahead of time it's been so nice here a little hot obviously but we've been just biking everywhere so we don't really didn't need two cars anyway and we got a decent offer on the tahoe so we sell it down to one car but then when we do need a car miranda needs it more than i do so she's been driving it around but it's obnoxious to her because Every 30 minutes on her phone, it's like, there's an AirTag following you, uh, which is that safety feature of AirTags to, you know, because if somebody wants to do harm upon you or, or stalk you, they slip one, one in your purse. Your, yeah, exactly. So that's what it looks like to Apple. I just haven't done the the work to like share it between two accounts or something. I don't really, I don't even know if it's possible or what. I just haven't like looked into it. Like a family AirTag. Yeah. family AirTag. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I don't, the, the family stuff is getting me. I'm not, yeah. What is this? This is old men, uh, yell at cloud dot episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the, I, I'm in the situation where my kids are getting online this summer, right? Like they are. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I saw the blog post. This is, yeah. Yep. So like, yeah. So like, I'll talk about the blog post, but like, so, uh, you know, we've been like, Doing a parent initiated Zooms and FaceTimes, you know, go call your cousins. Okay, yeah, you want to get on Roblox, go ahead. But, you know, like, yeah, but it's a lot of work, you know, like to do that because it's like text parents, parents say okay, and then you get the kids going and they can't do it. And like, so you're involved in everything, you know. Um, But we've kind of just said, you know what? It's your problem, kids. Like, yeah, here's you your iPad. Bye bye. Yeah, <laughs> here's your iPad. But you so can't quite do need, that, right? Because then you can't knows? like unfettered access. I I don't really believe in that. But so there's still like some stuff. But it's like you know they have a messenger kids account and they can just kind of fire it up just like a phone and call a kid or text somebody whenever they want. Yeah, you know? is like, that the, that's the Facebook thing. The yeah, that's the Facebook yeah. messenger. Yeah, I have thing. a nephew on that, and all I get is like his little scores from video games and stuff. Or he'll like draw a picture and I'll be like, "What is this?" And and I'll be like, it's a tree. And I'll be like, no, it's a big tree. 
Uh, busted. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got him. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, I mean, and that's kind of all it is like them send, sending selfies and stuff and whatever, but it's, uh, or memes, you know, doges and whatever. But, um, I, so anyway, I, uh, like, but it's kind of been interesting because I, I just was, I like to be really consistent when I parent. I try to be, you know, um, so I like literally write down the rules I make up for my kids. And, um, and and so I made like four internet rules and one's like never send a photo to a stranger. I feel like that's a pretty good one. You know, you may need to break yeah. that rule eventually, but that's a generally pretty good rule of standby. Um, like if you're mean online, you're that's like being mean in person. So just the idea Ooh. of like just teaching my kids like, hey, a lot of people are going to be mean online, and that does mean they are mean in person. <laughs> we have this whole other thing about trying on mean. People try it out, what it feels like to be mean. But um, I like that one because I think that holds for adults, too. I really don't like that, like, oh, they're that's just their little personality on Twitter. They're not really like that. I'm like, no, you are like that. Your fingers typed those words, so that's yeah. what you are like. Yeah, it's, it's honestly like when I get a sniff of that, like, that's the easiest way to get blocked and muted for me. Yeah. It's just like, you're kind of just like a bad dude. So like <laughs> later, I don't need you that in my life, you know? So, um, and, and, but even just with kids, it's just, you know, saying something mean or like dogging your sister is kind of like a thing, you know, like just don't do uh, that. There you go. And then yeah. like, that's uh, two rules. So you're on the three, two, three would I forget what uh, I should pull this up, but my third one I think was just like, um, uh, what was my third one? Cause my, I know the fourth one, <laughs> I should just go to the website. Here you go. Okay. My third one was like no spamming. Cause like the first time they got the thing, like my kids sent like 40 photos to their friends that were of terrible quality, you know? And I just was like, Hey, no one wants to see that. Like that's called spam. You're just sending mm. people stuff they don't want. So I'm preparing them for a career in email marketing. And then, uh, but just the idea of like, Hey, you're there to have a conversation and you go back and forth sometimes, you know? So, and then number four is like, it's okay to leave a chat room or a a game or whatever. If you're uncomfortable, like just the idea of like, Hey, you can just ghost sign out, log out, take a break. Don't do it. Like if don't, and that's just from like a getting pressured or something to do something they don't want to do situation, you know? So, um, and just, Good ones. The, I, and you, there's not there's not like 15 where they'll just roll their eyes at you, you know, because you're yeah. like, that's too many rules. I can't remember all these rules, Dad. Yeah, somebody on the internet, <laughs> the the Twitter was like, you know, maybe a fifth one would be like, remember the internet never forgets. And that's like true and important. But I also was like, ah, that gets really dark. That's really heavy for like an eight-year-old to absorb, you know, just like. The internet will never forget anything you post. So, um, so anyway, I just was like, I, I'm going to leave that out for now, but I, th- that will be a lesson they'll have to learn eventually, you know? So, yeah. And there's no rules about like the, uh, like don't go to pornography websites. Cause the, a, they're too young for that. And is it, do you, are those locked down anyway? Like that's not, it's not even entering their brain because I don't think it's they, entering they their brain. Um, like I do have devices as locked down as I can. Um, you know, Apple doesn't really give you any kind of like parent, you know, filter thing. Um, what I, what 
I try to point them to like safer places. Like, so like their school Chromebooks are like locked down, you know, like you can only do certain things. Uh, yeah. So I feel pretty safe about that. Uh, but like YouTube's a, kind of a dangerous situation, but like I try to push them to YouTube kids, which is usually like vetted for kids and, yeah, you know, um, and then, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of wild because they'll just ask Siri any question they want, you know, and Siri will tell them what Siri finds on the internet. And so it could get, there's real. absolutely no parent locked or kid version of Siri. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I know for a fact, my friend was telling me his son, who's Otis's his friend, um, was like, you know, where do babies come from? You have to tell me. No one will tell me the answer, you know? <laughs> so his parents were like, look, man, if you like really want, like they just basically like, I don't know, talk shit, get hit. They're just basically, like, okay, man, you are asking way too much. Here's the answer. So, and he was like, no. <laughs> so, so anyway, I'm, I'm sure that next chapter of our life is happening pretty soon as kids young boys get curious about what's going on so yeah um young boys and girls i know some girls his age who are also asking that same question so anyway but the the whole point of that was like i'm now in the situation where it's like okay like because because as good as ios is like it's a personal device almost right like like the kid they want their roblox account they want their you know like their Minecraft account hooked up. They don't want to log out and then log in and then their password and all that junk. And so like, it's this really interesting um, world where now it's like, Oh man, I have to like buy another device and then I have to like set it up and get them communicating. And then I have to, you know, get it locked down and then I have to put the screen times on there. And then, you know, like it's a, it's work. It's turning into a, it's a whole other job. It's another job that you have to do to like, successfully safely parent your kids through being online. And, you know, some people do nothing and a lot of people did nothing and their kids are kind of fine. No, their kids are fine. But like, you know, so I'm just kind of like, is this all worth it? But I don't know. I'm going to try, I guess is sort of my, my, my hope. So yeah, Hmm. you're not quite there yet with a four year old. No, no. And I'm, I don't know what I'm going to, definitely overthink it when it arrives you know i don't know what it's gonna what's gonna happen maybe i'll throw up my hands and just be like just be a good kid here's your phone (laughs) here's your phone you're you're five years old here's your phone just be a good kid well that's the thing too it's not it's not like a big deal but when my 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 brother-in-law uh and sister-in-law they gave their youngest who's emmy's age she's like six gave her one of the hand-me-down phone it's basically just like a an iPad, but it's just like, here's your phone, you know? And so it's always like, Oh, but you know, she has a phone, you know? And I'm just like, yeah, but it's not connected to anything. <laughs> it's, it's just a phone. It's just on the family plan, but it doesn't get any minutes, you know, or whatever. So yeah. anyway, it's, it's hard to explain that stuff, you know? Well, should we do some questions here from the world? Yeah, we can go to talk about websites. Let's talk about websites. <laughs> Uh, one from Raphael Ferrand is curious about design systems and micro front ends. 
uh, which is just, I already, I hate to say it, but just for radio's sake here, like every time I hear that word, just the hair stands up on the back of my freaking yeah. neck, dude. I freaking hate these things. But practically, <laughs> how would you approach building a design system for teams using different JS frameworks? Differently, how would you like that sentence is worth rereading? How would you approach building a design system for teams using different JS frameworks? Now, at a certain scale, I I will I will just be like, fine, fine, okay, you have to do it. But I already don't like it. You know, I already think like, okay, you need to build a tabs component, but it needs to work in React and it needs to work in Vue and it needs to work in Angular. I'm like, where do you work? What is happening that you need to do that? You've already said, oh, there's a bunch of people that work here that don't have cross platform experience with these, don't have cross framework experience. You're saying nobody needs to deeply understand these frameworks. You just under, just pick one and you do whatever you want. We'll make the design system team deal with all three of you. You know, like the, I already hate it for that reason. Yeah, Limiting expertise. Streamed a lot of problems. Like yeah. <laughs> just by being like, everyone do what you want. You know, it's it's like I don't know. It's like Europe. It's like everyone. <laughs> Everyone do what you want. <laughs> we'll share the same money, but even that's we'll a freaking miracle. We'll have the same miracle. money. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Europe. Anyway, the <laughs> so you do it. Maybe you work at IBM or something, and the web's a big place. So you have to do it. So he says, Raphael keeps talking here. Web components, you know, but there might be some imperative. I don't know. I'm not going to skip that sentence. Building them already adapted for each JS. Do you build them for each JavaScript framework? Do you build them, like, do you build, you know, React? You like, you're not reaching outside of anything else. You've built these things just for React. Then you stop, make a new repo or something, like a clean slate, and build them that work and look identical but don't really share anything but to you they're you know ones were great for react and ones were great for Vue, and that's that or do you make them work with web components you know like you've built them once and then you wire up wire them up however you need to wire them up to make sure that they work okay in react and let's for the for today let's assume that react supports web components just fine even though historically that's not super true yeah, maybe the next disk version. Uh, who knows? Um, and he wants to know about you because you have more thought behind web components. You got the whole course on front-end masters and stuff, you know. Yeah, well, you can start by buying my course on front-end masters. <laughs> um, but uh, so, yeah. So I, this is Dave Rupert talking. I mean, maybe you can have some success. And there, you, one situation would be your design system is based on something that already does this ionic chakra ui um you know some of these tools that kind of i thought of ionic already, tell me about that for a second though it wasn't that wasn't that their foundation it's a little i went to their website just now to be like what's their like sell on make a component in this and use it across platforms it doesn't seem to, is that's not really what they do anymore yeah, or is it so it was kind of like a, a it, from my understanding, Ionic, like it was kind of like a iOS.css at its in its first iteration of life, you know, and you'd like actually write web components and like stitch them together and like be like, this is tab dash bar. And then you just chuck it up and then it renders out as tab bar. And then they like, and then like they did like, a whole so it is a, mobile focused. It's yeah. mobile focused, and like, but I think you can like. I think it's all responsive now, um, to where some, 
But some of those metaphors maybe don't work. Like you don't generally have tab bars on websites. But then it would then they added this thing where it would be like Android.css. So same components, but it could like look like an Android app, you know? So okay. like so it's just the skin. And then I think there's this whole other level where like, oh, you use tab bar. We'll actually use the native iOS tab bar when we we can compile this out to a app project. And we can use the native tab bar inside like of there. Like a straight up Xcode Swift ready for the app store rock and roll. Sort of like React Native sort of does this, right? Like it's sort of wow, like, oh, you okay. like use that component. We can actually use the native component based in that. Um, so you don't write your own components in Ionic anymore, or you kind of can, but nobody does that? Or when... You totally can. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just an HTML page, so you can just kind of like spit out whatever you want. Um but this would just be an idea of like maybe something that is designed to work in different things. So they now have like React versions. They have uh, Vue mm. versions, I think, like that. So, uh, so, so there's different. I guess that's what Ionic's doing. They're building this framework to build mobile apps. You could use a framework that works in Angular and Vue and React and stuff like that. So, but if you're gonna make like something really unique, like I'm gonna make a little a Sudoku component and the sudoku component is like a nine by nine grid and you can click into each tab and use the numbers one through nine in each little thing that's really specific nobody's gonna have that pre-built for you no one's gonna have that pre-built for you but you you're you want to use it because your newspaper website is in view and you want to offer it in the fun and game section but you also have like a react native app and you want to use it there too what the hell do you do do you write it as a web component and hope to wire it up into both of those places or do you write it twice or what do you do uh, so this, that's where I think web components would come in. And so the, the thing about web components, which is like not really advertised, it's not on the box, uh, <laughs> the sticker on the box. Um, but you can write web components in like some of the major frameworks, Svelte, Vue, Preact, allow you to use those, use web components in the, in the application, like with, and you can both like, Export, you can export. I can write Svelte and export a web component that can be used by a view project. Um, it's a little weird, but you just really like it's Svelte colon options tag Sudoku puzzle, Sudoku dash puzzle or whatever. Yep. And so, and then in view, you know, you do like, a, you basically write your Sudoku in your view, but to like spit it out as a web component, you'd be like, you need import define custom element from view, and then you port import uh, whatever Sudoku puzzle from Sudoku puzzle dot view, and then custom elements, which is the web thing dot define Sudoku dash puzzle. That's that's HTML or like that's JavaScript. Okay. And then you use that define custom element Sudoku puzzle. So it's just a little like transpiler, I guess, thing, or a little yeah. wrapper that that converts your like big. That's view nice. Object into a custom element, but and then okay. So despite the fact that it's being used in React and it's being used in Vue, you really don't use any of the APIs provided by those platforms. You're not using use state in React. You're not using whatever else in Vue. You're using freaking DOM APIs. You know, you're using, you're using DOM APIs. Yeah, I mean, like there may be a way to like you know like 
in view three, you could, it would actually bundle and export out with all that reactivity stuff. And it's really like three to seven K it's probably okay for your, your, um, for your component, mm. you know, the, the cost of view three inside of there. But I, you oh, know, I've heard that too. That's a little mind blowing to me, isn't it? That you're like, I'm going to use a web component. It's actually going to use a little view inside, but it doesn't mean that it can't be used in another frameworks world. Cause it's a little isolated yeah, inside yeah, it's there. Just like it's a so normal little import. that it's like, fine. Um, yeah, react is kind of another ball of wax. So, um, it, which is why you maybe actually want to start authoring in web components if you know, like the whole thing is like it's going to go out to that's its whole job is to go places. Web components are part of the web platform and they go places. They can go to the old Ruby on Rails app. We're just talking JavaScript, but these web components can go to the old Rails app, the old anywhere. Java app. Yeah, they, they don't have to just like it, it can kind of go anywhere. So, so I would maybe start in web components and I would maybe use something like lit. And the reason you're going to want to use lit is because it has some extra, like, uh, I guess, uh, framework goodness or, or community supported adventures. <laughs> and, and so right. there's a, there's a lit labs project to wrap your custom element so that it works in react projects. So. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Nice. And so like the, what it's going to look like is basically you have your web components and then every little, you know, you maybe have like a, a mirror, like whatever Sudoku puzzle react component that just imports Sudoku puzzle, the web component, but it's just a little wrapper. And then you only import the reacty stuff on, on your, in your application. So, yeah, yeah. I kind of am coming around on lit. I mean, I, I like, I've never hated on it, but I've always been like, why would I read? Every time I reach for it to like make a little demo web component, I'm like, I don't really need this. It's not doing that much for me. But if you look at the whole package, you're like, all right, well, it does have, a, it does make doing styles a little bit more ergonomic and it adds the lifecycle hook. So if you need those, which you probably will at some point, you got those and it makes dealing with events a little more ergonomic and stuff. You're like all together. It's like, this is a kind of a lot. And then to know that it's like, what is it? It's just absolutely tiny amount 7K, of code. I think seven. Yeah. To then 10K. you're like, oh, I'm just yeah. going to use it. That's shared across them all if you need to. You know. Yeah. And, and the more you use it, the more like that cost is amateurized, you know? Um, right. Uh, Corey LaVisca, who makes shoelace.style, um, is it, it, he had a really good post about this. And he just was like, you know, I used, um, I, I wrote shoelace, the first version of shoelace with this, like, just all vanilla and really homegrown. Hmm. But he had written enough helpers, enough functions, enough you know, oh, let's do the enough shared parts that he basically rewrote lit with no community support. Oh, and, no. yeah. you know, like it, it was basically just like homegrown lit. I think we had like, we used to call it like where you like made SAS and PHP, you know, like you wrote enough PHP where you made SAS eventually. And so like you might as well just use SAS, you know? Um, so it's kind of one of those situations, you know, like I, I think, you're going to find like, yeah, I think it's called on web using web component libraries. Um, and I'll put a link in the show notes, but <clears throat> um, I, I think like you're going to find a lot of like really good reasons why you might want to just 
use a library, just a, you know, and again, they're really small, uh, especially compared to something like React. But but I think it's going to help you like build out fast and scalable. And then you're going to just, you know, benefit from some community stuff. And then, you know, these React wrappers are a great way to get stuff into your React project. And then I think it's going to, what's React on 18 right now? There's talk that React 19 might include web component support. It's on in an experimental branch. React supports web components. And I've heard the support right now is pretty good. I haven't heard any like showstoppers. Mm. So um, there it is like a breaking change in React possibly, potentially. So, or like a- That's the version release. Yeah, yeah, that's why it's like in kind of an experimental thing. So, um, so yeah, that's something to think about. And it all comes down to- uh, HTML, like attributes are attributes, uh, and in React, props yeah. and attributes are kind of the same thing. Um, like yeah, props, they're a little conflicty. Yeah, props are different in HTML land in JavaScript. Props are a JavaScript thing, kind of, and attributes are an HTML kind of thing. So yeah, uh, it all tricky, comes down right? to that. So. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Notion. Learn more and get started for free at Notion.com slash CodePen. That's Notion.com slash CodePen to help you take the first step towards an organized, happier team today. That again is Notion.com slash CodePen. I know this is Shop Talk Show and not CodePen Radio, but that's the URL we got just to keep all them clicks all consolidated for this overall sponsorship. Notion is the best. As you know, I've done videos about how we use Notion. We've talked about Notion a ton on CodePen Radio and Shop Talk Show. It's a phenomenal software product. In my opinion, really changed the game for for the, and kind of like invented a new category of knowledge management app, which is kind of how I think of it. But it's it's an app that's really at the core of running any kind of business, but probably mostly you know, software technology businesses, because that's where my brain is at. It helps you plan projects and have shared calendars and have shared meeting notes. And, you know, what you can do with it is really open-ended in the best possible way. Everything you make is like a database or documents and it's all nested and has good permissions levels and stuff. I know I'm speaking very abstractly here, but once you get into using it, you're going to find it very natural and comfortable to use, especially in a team setting. And it just really brings people together. And I have no doubt that it's made us a better place to work at the places that uh, uh, the businesses I've incorporated Notion into there. It's like Notion is where the work happens a lot of times, and I really love that. I also want to say one thing about how I appreciate how they get the details right at Notion as a company. For example, for a long time, anybody says, where's the API? Where's the API? For years and years and years. Finally, they're like, here's the API. And it's super well done and it's well documented. It has good default integrations. It's just a super well done API. To the point where people were just like, um, thanks. <laughs> That's perfect, actually. Great. <laughs> you know? And then they took a bunch of time to get even a little detail about how text is selected across blocks in the document editor. Went just underwent this great improvement of how you can select text across them. And it feels just like you're selecting text in a natural way that you'd expect in any text editor, which was different before because of the block nature of editing. A little hard to describe, but if you don't notice it, well, 
That's what they wanted. They didn't want you to be like, oh, why is text selection weird in here? Which it kind of used to be a little bit. Uh, and now it's just better. And I appreciate that. Like, we're going to spend time on that detail, not on some necessarily some big flashy thing, but just on getting the experience of using the app good. Thanks for the support, Notion. How do other frameworks think about how have they, how have they avoided the trouble? Like, because every other framework, as far as I know, and I'm thinking of like Astro components and and how Vue handles it and how Svelte does it and stuff. They just don't have that problem. And you, you can even just look at the class attribute to think about it, right? Like, which ones support can class? Use class? All yeah. of them except React. Then you have to use class name. And it kind of made sense in the early days. You're like, I don't care. I just have to rewire my brain for one little thing where I'm in when I'm in. React, but it's like it's honestly it's not one little thing because every stupid attribute, if it's DOM bound, is like, did you mean? Because it's did always like, mean? oh yeah, yeah, all those like iframe attributes that you have to get camel cased just correctly to 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 work. That's unfortunate that you have to like do that math in your head of like which one of these are going to get gobbled up because they look like props and which ones are going to make it to the HTML. And oops, I forgot to spread my props because. I passed them, but I didn't use them. And <laughs> yeah, and well, and so Lit has a workaround for this again. Why you want to use a a component or a, a library, and it's like dot posts equal my posts or something. So it's kind of like mm. views colon syntax, where you're like, hey, this is actually right. JavaScript. Um, so you say like you put a period in front of the thing, and so I like that. Like draw a line in the sand and be like, if we're inventing this thing, it needs to be an HTML incompatible syntax. Yeah, and and you know that's, I mean, you can pass like a JSON array. <laughs> I mean, you could do, and then just you like string parse and unparse, but that's just going to blow your JavaScript. Like you really just want it to hang out in in memory. You don't want to put it in template all the time, you know. So, um, or hey, guess what? It's it's just JavaScript. <laughs> like you could just have a global like whatever window dot posts, and that's what you loop through. You know what I mean? Like. There's no rules. So. Yeah, that's what I th- think is a little unfortunate about this. Is if you if you're bound for uh, Vue or React or Svelte or anything, that they have so many niceties in there that you don't get to have <laughs> because your thing is supports all these things. So you're just limited to DOM APIs and lit, like lit helpers or something if if you go with that. But like, there's really nice stuff baked into the framework and you just don't get to have those things. You know, I, I think too, that's where like maybe keeping your design system small in this situation is probably your best insurance policy. Like looping through things, you never loop through things. My, our code does not loop through things. Our code is like interactions and buttons and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, like, I see. It's a design system that's pretty like atomic, low down the atomic very scale. atomic, yeah. Like, like, and it's like, okay, if you're going to loop stuff, you just have to loop stuff. And like, here's some helper classes, how we do that. Some instructional stuff. Like, because I mean, that's where it gets tricky is like, you know, you're not, you know, if somebody's like, I want to use Redux to manage my posts and I want to use Vuex and I want to use whatever, some new library, like Pinia or whatever, like you're just going to die under like supporting all those things. So, Maybe your yep. design system, you say, cool, we are only doing atoms and molecules. Like, if you are assembling these together, that's your job, you know? 
So I love that. We have two at, at CodePen. The way it splits up is we have a thing called CP library. CP just means code, CodePen. And library means dumb. None of these components have the <laughs> yeah. ability to do a query at all. Like they can't, there's no, I, I, I can't say none of them have a loop in them. I, I, I don't know that to be sure, but it probably not, you know, they're mostly just use it. They're just visual things. But then we have another thing that feels a little bit like a design system, but it really is just a step up the atomic scale. We used to call CP components, I think, but now we have this, whatever, or internal organizational stuff. We call it CP client, which is where we keep all our browser-based stuff, and there's a components folder in that. They're still shared. It's still at pretty high up in the mono repo setup, so different parts of the app can still reach for these things, but they can have queries and stuff. They, they're a little bit, have more responsibilities. So it limits where they're usable, not really in our case, because we are good like that. But, but yeah, there's a distinction between a library component and then a, a global component. Yeah. And in that situation, like your library could be web components. I'm just, if you're you're all React stack, but that's in theory, that's how it could work, you know? So Right, right, right. And just because just because it's a Sudoku puzzle doesn't mean that it needs to like hit the Sudoku table of the database to get its own data. It can you can draw a line and say, this is it this you pass in data to it and it knows what to do with that data, but it doesn't get its own data. It just is fed data. And then you could even it's sort of what we're finding, we're writing a big Nuxt view app. But what, what I'm finding is I do a lot of event emitting, like, hey, this thing is just going to ch- chuck up and say, hey, I did, I won, I success on the Sudoku puzzle. Mm-hmm. And like, here's my solve and like post whatever data you want, like emitting events up and then just anything because it's a DOM event, you know, can be like, oh, I know what to do. I heard that event. Oh, let me react to that, you know? So hopefully that works. I, I guess that's maybe. React might treat that way differently, but um, you know, it's just emitting events. Try try doing that. That's a thing that we can do. So, or maybe maybe you have a little wrapper that like, okay, if I hear this event, then in my React app, then fire this actual event, this React style event or something. So, um, yeah, I love that. That, although that, you know, right, you can see how that gets in the weeds so quick. You're like, oh, I'm going to emit events. Well, frick, everybody's got to agree on how to listen for those. Right. Then. The, yeah, scope them and listen to them. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. I think, though, you know, what's funny is like everyone can do their own thing. You know, the major trade off there is now you are in Rapper Town. You, you are one way ticket to Rapper Town, USA. So mm. I hope you like it there. <laughs> So that's something to consider. Maybe you limit yeah. the number of frameworks you're dealing with. Uh, w- would probably suit you really well. But yeah, I mean, even two sucks. But man, three is going to be nuts. And anyway, well, let's stay in Web Component Town for a minute because you know, even if you don't care about web components, dear listeners of Shop Talk Show, I don't know how that's possible, but you know, ah, uh, yeah. it's possible that we we end up talking about lots of other subjects. So I think, uh, you know, they're just a they're a gateway drug, really.
This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you by another podcast, Whiskey, Web, and Whatnot. Fantastic podcast from Robbie and Chuck over there. They run their own agency as well. So come at it from uh, a long career in tech and lots of uh, different technologies that they use. You know, I found that you know, Dave and I on this show, like have a certain set of technologies we have the most experience with and then end up talking about that. And being a guest over on Whiskey Web and whatnot was so fresh because they definitely have a totally different set of, I mean, we're all web people, but they have a different perspective on things because of the different technology choices they've made and had experience with throughout their career. So they obviously talk about whiskey. That's great. It's the, you know, the beginning small chunk of the show. Everybody enjoys a little whiskey. They talk about it. So there's that aspect to it. But, you know, it's largely about web stuff, but lighthearted, you know, not super duper heavy on tech all the time. They have guests from all kinds of different areas of web development, uh, uh, lots of variety there, which is kind of fun. Web3 and NFTs, fairly frequent topics and stuff. I think it's just worth to subscribe. If you like this show, there's a good chance you'll like that show. Uh, I certainly enjoy it. They do a good job over there. Uh, uh, can't have enough web podcasts, right? Go check out Web Whiskey. That's the first thing. Clutch. Whiskey, Web, and whatnot.fm. If you just spell it all out, .fm, you'll get there and it'll be in the show notes, of course, too. Thanks. Bye. Ryan Filler, though, asks about unit testing web components. Interesting question. Um, is, this, is, it, is it something like Cypress or Playwright? Those being, you know, DOM, you know, like fire up Chrome, simulate clicks, more end-to-end i I'd say. I don't love this because it means I have to have a live version of every scenario that my component could be in, you know. I'd much rather use something like Vtest or Jest to virtually create them with different attributes. Do you have any experience with testing like this? I can say that I don't, but I sympathize with what you're saying here. No, I I think it's a good question. And like one that's not like super obvious from the outside. Um, There is a thing called web test runner at web test runner. Um, That's kind of like the de facto Hmm. web component. I think you can get it going in jest. I think you can get it going in the test even, you know, but all it is is like an import thing, foo from var and then like describe and it expects something, you know? So like um, I think it's kind of a, like chai based is sort of what I've understood as I've like dug into it. Um, one thing you may want to look at uh, is there's Does it a, still boot up a browser to do it or no, no, it's all it just node based or, um, Oh, that's good. I don't know what the JS Dom that it uses is, but it's like, um, yeah, it's all node based. Um, I, I believe. So I don't think I've like seen it do something different. Um, but, uh, so, One thing I would say, so one thing to check out is this thing called, uh, it's, let me get the actual thing because I see the test stuff. Um, There's, uh, anyway, so the, what OpenWC, which is like a web components kind of group, they have this thing called Chai Alley Axe. Um, So, (laughs) You basically can like it's sad that I know exactly what all three of those things are, but I could see somebody listening in this big like, oh yeah, Chai Aliax. Chai Aliax. What? 
the devil? Like what kind what of garbage devil? is that? But what's cool is like you can say like expect element to be accessible and like it'll run a what? Uh, uh it'll run an accessibility test on the element. And I just was like, I have never seen this. And that is very stinking cool. So you expect it when you start to see dot two dot B, you expect to see like to be truthy or yeah. to equal some text or whatever, not to be accessible parenthesis parenthesis, you know, it means this runs the little X suite right over this little DOM fragment, I guess. Right. So it's looking for input label pairs. It's looking for probably for color contrast and stuff. If it's, booting it right up into the DOM. I mean, it might not be super accurate about that because I guess it wouldn't know about global CSS and stuff. But um, Yeah, so and then so this is all part of OpenWC. And why I mentioned that was because they have a little CLI that's going to be like, it's that is basically create React app for, um, for a web component project. And you can even, you can, when you run it, it gives you like a web component and then it gives you like a whole uh, app that you can, like a, like a demo app that you can kind of start messing with. Um, This is great. And like, I didn't know this really existed until I started doing my course. And so like, uh, it's actually pretty great. And it'll give you like some ideas on how to test it and what it looks like if you test it. But um I don't see a reason. Like I know Vite supports lit and stuff like first party. So the test may be able to do web components. I haven't seen anyone do that, but I I would reckon it could. That's gonna be my my Yeah, there's also a question like what what are you testing? Are you making sure that it looks right? Or are you making sure that it doesn't throw an error? Are you making are you testing the output of an internal function inside of a web component? I have questions about what it is you're exactly trying to test, you know? Yeah. I usually just like I found myself like getting into like a, you know, if I change a prop and I'm doing like an if statement in the component, like make sure whatever div class uh whatever has button is true or whatever. So um, that's kind of what I've been doing. Like, I see. So whatever, if, if there's any logic in there, test the logic. Just test the logic of the component. And you can do that in unit tests really fine. Um, you know, if you're doing like some E to E thing, you know, like, you know, like when I click this button and it fires this modal, you know, like you can, you may need like Cypress to make sure that the modal flew up, you know, but or maybe you just yeah. uh, maybe in your 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 web test runner or your your chai or your whatever you just say like set up a spy and just say like oh did it like fire this event did it like try to click save yeah. and yeah, if I could do it maybe so that's something to think about like I do that a lot so yeah I've been getting into testing lately I drug my feet for decades and now I'm finally in the like you know what? I can do it. <laughs> so yeah, we've been in that phase a little bit at CodePen too, because we're we're like we have this goal to like move over some of the site to this this API that is you know the the Go version of our API, which we whatever it's hard to give us enough uh, enough context to this really quickly on a on a podcast. But imagine that we have like we're building a a second API that needs to be 
compatible with the other API. But it's one thing to do that, and to, uh, one one way to like make sure that you're actually doing it is to is to release like a small part of your website that that does use that API that's like less mission critical and be like, hey, <laughs> there'll be bugs on this page if we did it wrong. And then the fact that you've gotten it to production means that you've dotted a million T's or <laughs> dotted a million I's and crossed a million T's, you know, as far as deployment and all, and all that. And so a part of that story, much like refactoring CSS or anything else, it needs to be tested because you can't yeah. just like wing it on creating, testing in it, you know. So there's unit tests, which are the really low level little ones, right? Like I'm writing a function that calls a database. Like, did it, does it work? Does it return what I think is a little, little baby tests that tend to run really fast? And you don't need to, they don't have a lot of dependencies usually in the unit test. And then what gets complicated always, forever, I don't know why this is a, just the, the longest conversation ever. Then there's integration tests, and they have the most nebulous definition of all tests. But in our case, I, it, it helps me under, think of them in an interesting way. Our, we have integration tests for the API that fake like it's a browser kind of it's not cypress but it boots up what we use this thing called apollo client and server which mm -hmm. is kind of like a helps manage maintain state and stuff generally across stuff and we'll write a query for against the api but run it through apollo so it's there's more gears you know as a unit test isn't really combining gears. An integration test is like combining gear, like metaphorical gears. Yeah, yeah. They have to turn together. So integration means there's services that are working together that, that still do what you expect them to do. But they're short of literally running a browser. And then as soon as you're actually in browser land, I guess that becomes an end-to-end -end test, you know? Like, usually I think of those as end-to-end -end tests as ones that might, like, traverse multiple pages or something. Yeah. So, yeah. again, the nebulous definition. But I, I'm going to call it and say our end-to-end -end tests are, are Cypress. Right. That's just for our internal reasons that those are a different category. So three really different layers of tests. And when you're on a small team like we are, you just can't write, like, because you could write one function really low level that's like, this thing is a query that gets pens. You can imagine that. Like, of course, there's a query that does that. Yeah. You can write unit tests for that and definitely integration tests for that and definitely end-to-end -end tests for that. That one's so important, they probably do all three exist. But for the, like, 500 APIs we have, we probably can't write 1,500 tests. You right. Know, one for right. SAS with so the letter A, does that compile? You know, like, you know, like <laughs> yeah. SAS with the letter AB, does that compile? You know, like, yeah. It's not gonna, yeah, right? I didn't even. That's not it. Those are even a whole separate bucket, right? The <laughs> processor tests are a whole different thing, yeah. When it's tough too, like if you don't understand, or I, you know, and I, I put myself in the same, like just generally, like if you as a developer don't understand what the framework does and what you do and what even the web platform does, you know, um, you can like be writing your tests over and over, but like, you know, it's like if you just put a details element on your page. You probably don't need to write a test for like on click. Does it show stuff? Because that's that's the browser. <laughs> like unless you did some weird. Like guess what? Like that works. Ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time. You know. So I, I wouldn't even worry about it. But that's just me. So maybe I'm way out there. So.
I'm just, or like if it's a framework, it's like, you know, I really just care that the save function got called. Like, I, you know, like I don't even, you know, I'm going to just assume the database writing machine knows how to write to the database. I'm not going to just assume like the event emitting from the framework knows how to ev- emit an event. So I'll just, that's probably all I need to do is just make sure save got called. So that's, there you go. Um, it's it's fun. It's it's interesting to like figure out where to draw the lines and it is, isn't it? It's easier to, to it's easy to underdo it. I would uh I would uh, uh I would underdo it before I overdid it because only because I've overdid it before. We used to have a huge suite of Cypress tests that are now long dead because they were, became so problematic for us, but the idea being um they were too much. They tried to mock too much data. They were too long of flows. They were too flaky and stuff, and it became a became a prob. So we uh, aborted on them, and now the new ones are like, go to this page. <laughs> Done. Done. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Some of them are that, like that. Even that one. I'm a fan of using that as an example because go to this page and make sure there are no JavaScript errors is kind of a pretty sweet test, I think, because it means your app booted up. So now you have oh, a test man. that proves that your app booted up. That's very possible to break. But they're, they tend to be at least test your mission-critical flows. Like, can someone sign up for this web app? That's pretty crucial. And it's probably at least a two-page test then. Right, yeah. Like, can somebody log in? Can somebody sign up? Can yeah, somebody test log in and sign up? Um, upgrade is a big one for ones that upgrade? take credit cards. Yeah. How do you? Well, maybe that's a whole other show. We're running out of time, but like, because you'd be testing production, right? Are you testing like? Because or do no, you just you send it the fake credit card, the four one 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 one, and then four two four two four two in the case 4, 2, of four two four two four two four two, and yeah, so exactly. you send four two four two, and then it just says like, cool, yeah, you did it, or like that's. That's only on test, right? You wouldn't. That doesn't work in production on the production keys, right? No, you probably wouldn't run that particular test in production. You just right. run it yeah, in, yeah. on either staging or or, or local, yeah. or like CI, because I think a good setup is running all these tests in CI that mimic production, not right. staging, because staging is useful, but it's too long to wait to get it all to staging and then run the tests. It's like, depending on what your setup is like, staging might happen like after the merge. I mean, I, I guess it kind of yeah, depends yeah. on how you set it up, but right, yeah. I prefer to, because these days something like GitHub Actions can spin up your site, even a pretty complicated site. So we have like a little version of the site that runs in GitHub Actions that will run all three kinds of these tests, even Cypress. That's see that stuff's incredible. I I yeah we had uh B Dougie and Rizal on um uh a while back and I just there's so much I'm not doing with GitHub Actions I feel like I should but this like getting a baby site running or or like you know deploy previews that's a like, blog post I have to get done. There are literally like fifteen twenty things you gotta that, do um, to get a baby site running. No, that you could do in CI that when you look at each one of them individually, you're like, yeah, we should do that. That's a that's a great idea. But nobody does all 18 of them or whatever. People do seven, maybe, or two. Oh, my two, gosh. I want this blog first. And I just want, like, sample functions. But that's too much on you. But that's, like, that's what I want. I just want, like, recipe book. You know what I mean? Like, here's the recipe to, like, 
not get caught with your pants down. That's, That's what I thought that Netlify plugins would turn into. That that their little ecosystem around build plugins would yeah. turn into that. But I, I haven't seen it quite play out that way. I just yeah, I don't know. I tried to do um, you know, it's a cool app called Renderer. Have you seen that? It's like a it's a hosting service. Um, uh, or maybe it's render.com. Uh, render.com, uh, which was, it's like a node host app, a digital ocean competitor, you know, something like that. But uh, it's basically just like a, uh, you know, send your app here and we'll run, try to build it. And then we'll do like deploy previews and stuff like that. It has databases and stuff too. Like, seems like pretty cool. That's complicated, isn't it? Like, that's always what gets me. Because when you have a production app, at some point soon in the app's existence, you'll be like, well, we can't boot the whole database, obviously. So somebody's got to do a seeding situation. Yeah. Well, let me tell you about my new best friend. Uh, I haven't quite implemented it, but I saw Seedmaster it. Pro. Seedmaster. <laughs> uh, it's so there, uh, this app called, um, uh, Snaplet came to my attention, uh, and it's by the people who make Redwood. So Redwood JS, you know, it's kind of did all this cool stuff. And then uh, this thing is Snaplet, and it's and it's basically say goodbye to seed scripts is their like catchphrase. And it's like, what? okay, I'm sold. Where's, where do I put my credit card? Um, but I think like uh, Tom Preston Werner, who's been on the show, uh, he's kind of like a investor or like a. a He's uh, he's an investor in Redwood or whatever, and so I think he's it's the same company or whatever. But it's basically like almost like WPDB Migrate Pro for your uh, for your your just normal Postgres database, and then it has this thing like a reducer, basically like where it's like I'm going to pull this data, but you know just take out the last 10,000 users or whatever. I don't need all that, you know? And then, and you can even like be like, okay. And then make sure every user has an anonymous email, like email one, two, three at, you know, DaveRupert.com. So like, uh, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's very cool. I I just saw it and I was like, I am super compelled by this just because we were, you know, even this week, it's like, you know, we're working, we use a shared date dev database, but that can like go bad if you're all doing migrations and stuff like changing stuff. Um, but this idea like, Hey, like we can all just have, like, you just update your database seed and like, it'll figure wow. it out. So this is blowing my mind a little bit. Cause what's the thing about that? Cause some of the reason that you seed isn't just because you have to, because you have this little baby empty database, but it's because I'm seeding it with data that I intend to want to test against. Right. So I'm right. being so, really specific against what I want. I'm putting in there. Yeah. So you can be like really specific. You can be as specific as you want, you know, like, like if you have one user, user, Whatever, um, David Trump five thousand one uh, <laughs> is your your fake user who does all the bad stuff or whatever, like that you want to test against. Like you could just pull my user, you know, my user ID, yeah. and that's in the database. And then you're like, go through all of his pens so and make if, sure they all work. But if you're sitting work. down to write a test, you'd be like, okay, I, I'm gonna, I want to test that. You know, I'm gonna seed three things in the database and run a count against them, and it better come back as three. 
because if it comes back as two or four, that's an incorrect test. My my test that would write that would normally seed the database and then test against it all together. But with this, that I'd have to like stop, go uh, put something in the database that I know is incorrect. Like there's like almost like a disconnect between what I'm testing and. Oh yeah. Well, but I think you could maybe. Um... It's yeah, just, I don't know. If actually, you started yeah. from scratch with that, I think it would be better. But but now you, the way you have now, it, yeah, the, the way you have it now, you're like every test inserts what it needs to test, right? So then you then you test. Yeah, the, but yeah. it's not like I love that though. It's not like it's just the way it is. So I'd have to just readjust my brain a little bit. Yeah. Well, and I I definitely think like this thing is like a is pretty. Um, it's new, obviously, so you're going to spend an innovation token on it. But it is it it is <laughs> very cool in the like um, what it's uh, I, I just what it's attempting to do. I just the idea like you can have a shared database or like the production database, and then you just say give me that, but then like nerf it down to only you know a reasonable amount, you know, and then yeah. like let's. You know, and it'll run snap nightly snapshots or whatever, and then you're just like, okay, put, load the snapshot up on my computer. So, and then if somebody needed test data or whatever, like maybe you figure out a way to emulate that test data, you know, in the best way possible. So, you're kind of working with live data at that point. That's kind of wild, cool. but you know, yeah. so. Right anyway, on. all right. Well, cool. We should uh, wrap it up here. Uh, thank you, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcast. Your choice. Be sure to start heart favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter for eight tweets a month. Uh, join us in the Discord because don't we have um don't we have Doug in the Discord now? Yeah, shout out new high five, Doug. Shout out to Doug in the Discord. So yeah, it's good times in the Discord. So thank y'all who have already joined, but yeah, feel free to join. And then um, that's patreon.com slash shop talk show. So Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? Top talk show.com. 